0: So, who owns the stars? An expanse recap podcast where we discuss each and every episode in depth. We will be doing episodes nine and ten because that makes up a finale. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Cat, and,
1: and I'm with Nina. me,
0: there's Nina.
1: <laughs> that's Nina. We're going to
0: spend this entire episode trying to say something other than "Oh my God, that's so gross! That's so gross!" <laughs>
1: I have other things to say other than that, actually. That's at the that's not at the top of my list. I mean,
0: it's at the top of mine, but I'll power through. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: we can um let's start with some meta data. The episode nine is called Critical mm-hmm. Mass. Uh both episode nine and ten are directed by Terry McDonough, who also directed the first two episodes of this season, which I think is kind of cool. It's like a nice way to go full circle. Um, this episode is written by all writers who have previously written in this season. Robin Veth, Dan Nowak, Narin Shankar. Uh, and episode 10 is written by the duo Mark Fergus and Hawk Ospie who also wrote in this season. So it was um, really all
0: hands on deck for these two, huh?
1: Yeah, they're like, we can't screw this up. And they didn't.
0: <laughs> nope, they, they did it. not. They definitely stuck the landing.
1: Would you like to recap... Uh, both episodes
0: sure for episode nine fred johnson and ava sarala separately realize that earth is involved in our central mystery um because they find out that the stealth ships were built on earth meanwhile miller copes with finding out that julie's dead which i mean didn't really shock all of us but i was and the team (laughs) i was was really hoping that she wouldn't be dead but like
1: I was super betrayed. I'm not going to lie. The first time I watched I, it. I
0: think when I, I understand- thought they would meet and then she would die.
1: Ooh, I don't think yeah.
0: I expected her to be like dead from jump, you know?
1: Yeah, I was hurt. I was so hurt.
0: But our girl, rest in peace. R.I.P.
1: Rest in peace to a real one.
0: True. Um, but the team realizes that there is, enough, there is a conspiracy occurring and they also get trapped on Eros And at the end of episode 9, Miller and Holden get hit with enough radiation to kill a station. And then in episode 10, because we're going to do these back-to-back, baby. (laughs) Um, In episode 10, Miller and Holden try their best to get off Arrows and meet the team back at the Rossi. Um, The team does make it to the Rossi, but, you know, there is some conflict. And oh, yeah. eventually, we do make it off Eros with some wounds. But what do we think about all this?
1: Like, what do I think? <laughs> what do I think? Where do we what? want to start? There's
0: so Literally, much. Where do we want to start?
1: I okay. Um, maybe this is it's. Maybe this will be easier to start a little chronologically, mm-hmm. just to like cover every single because there are a lot of bases we're gonna cover. But let's start with Julie and her okay. story. Um, let's do. I don't know what to say. I'm just like, there's so much I want to say. But I don't know where to start with Julie.
0: I mean, God, let's start with how much it must have sucked to die that way.
1: Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Um, in the book, they read through some notes and stuff that she had taken. Before she died, and one of the notes was just, "I think I just slept for three weeks. What the fuck does that to you?"
1: <laughs> it's really, oh my god, it is so like depressing. Like I, so I like. I mean, I think the story takes about like what fifteen minutes of the episode, and I like mm-hmm. that they took like a significant amount of time um, to really show us how she sort of met her end. Like I know it's a common like, storytelling tool when, like, the woman dies um, and Mm it's, like, a plot, but I'd still appreciate it because it's the first time we really get to see Julie from Julie's perspective, and that's something we've been missing for about nine episodes now. Well, nine and a half, because we did meet her in the very, very beginning. One thing I noticed whenever I see this part is, like, it really just sends home how young she is And like, we've talked about, uh, I think it was in episode seven when Dawes and Miller had a confrontation about Julie. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it might've been episode six, but we talked about how Dawes and Miller both have their narrative about Julie, but we didn't get the narrative of like the true narrative about Julie. And watching this was like, was what that felt like. And like, you know, I'm eating my words, but like Miller was kind of right. Um, In certain ways that she really mm-hmm. was just, she was, oh my God, she was really, like, once she's in that room alone, like, you, you are like, just watching this child, essentially, like, decompose, and there's nobody there, there's nobody, she's completely alone, like, her family doesn't even know where she is. Nope. Um, and I remember there was one shot where, because she starts talking about Dawes. And she's mm-hmm. saying, you know, I gave the message and you never came for me. And then you see that really chilling scene where she's watching him talk on TV. Um, and he's sort of giving a speech about, you know, Beltra solidarity, basically. But he's not there for her. And it was like, I was like, God yep. damn it, Dawes. Like, you're embarrassing me here. <laughs> I was defending you. Like I was really like, "Oh, Miller's just like wants to see her as this innocent little earther, and she to be fair she wasn't like that's that was true, but he was right, in that Dawes did take advantage of her um mm-hmm.
0: and her and willingness I- to do you know whatever it takes, but he I go back and forth about whether he intentionally abandoned her or not because he did reach out to Fred. To get her, but yeah, right. is that more of a passing it off to someone else situation?
1: And he was Or is trying it to just the spread
0: closer with more resources?
1: He was trying to cover it up as well because right. he's the one who got Miller fired.
0: Exactly. Ugh. So
1: I mean I love Dawes, but man.
0: Yeah, he I did can't her dirty. On
1: <laughs> he did her dirty. Did her dirty you want to talk about that uh scene
0: i do um he says it to holden while they are inside the casino right
1: uh yeah like the
0: pachinko parlor yeah but he asked him like his reason behind becoming a cop was he asked himself you know you want to be an ass or you want to be the boot Mm. and I know, I feel like we talk about this quote every single episode, but it's yeah, but so it's, relevant.
1: It matters.
0: It does. You know, he's fully aware of his complicity in oppressing Belters, but he chose that path in an effort to escape the circumstances that he helped subject other people to. But he ends right back up in a casino like the one he grew up in his life is still being shaped and now potentially ended by other people's greed.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's easier for Holden, you know, to defend Miller for a second. I think it's easier for Holden to look at him and say like, how did you end up being sort of the very thing that you technically hate? Mm -hmm. Um, Because Holden said, I didn't want to be the boot, but Holden is an earther. Holden inherently is the boot, and so he right. has. You've talked about this. He has the choice to not do that anymore, um, and because it doesn't really affect him, he didn't have mm. to go to the to the Marines. I think he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to like carry out these kinds of orders. He could have chosen a completely different life, even though at the end of the day, he still would have benefited from it because right. again, Earthers extract resources from the belt. Um, whereas Miller is more of a product of his circumstances and again it's not necessarily it's it's more of just an observation of that cycle of mm-hmm. oppression of poverty of like, a million different things it's like it's it it makes more sense why miller would end up doing that because it's it's kind of like he's that kind of person who's like well I can't destroy the system and I can't rise above the system So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to get mine and screw everybody else. And that is a reasonable choice for people who grow up like him.
0: It's a choice that, you know, people make every day. Yeah. It's common. Um, But like, as you were talking, four of the people who are kind of prominent in these final episodes, obviously Miller and Holden. Julie But Julie, and then to a lesser extent, Fred Johnson, and in this context, I kind of think of them as like the four corners or whatever of what you possibly end up doing. Holden, you know, was part of the system. He chose to leave it, but then he decided he was just going to be neutral. Miller decides, okay, well, since I don't want to get my ass kicked by this system, I'm going to link up with it and try and be part of it obviously doesn't work out for him fred johnson is a one of the driving forces of that system but he makes the choice to actively fight against it which is also the choice that julie makes yeah where do you
1: think where do you think naomi fits in there then
0: where does naomi fit because
1: naomi let's talk about her for a second this is her time. This is her time to shine. And she's like, We showed finally find out. We have said for eight episodes now, watch out for Naomi. Something's up with her. We I mean, we know, but the people didn't know. But we we just the knowing it had been known. And so in these episodes, Naomi we didn't know everything. <laughs> How many more times? Did I say that? I'm trying to see how long, like, where is she going to go? We didn't reveal everything about Naomi, but this is the first, so the point, this is the first time Naomi really got to, like, drive a plot, I think. Mm -hmm. Rather than react. Exactly. And it showed us a side of her that we had kind of been denying up until this point, um, which is just very exciting. But my question was, Naomi, who at, is kind of a part of this as well, where do you think she fits in in this, like, Julie, Fred, mm-hmm. uh, Miller, Holden axis? Spectrum yeah. axis. That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know if that's correct.
0: I mean, we're, for our purposes, it is. That's <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> what we mean. You know, different.
0: words mean what you decide they mean. Exactly. But Naomi. I think, is our person who never had access to any real power. So she's separate from them in that she is from the group of people who are being oppressed. She's not going to pursue, you know, she's not going to pursue the power that Miller tried to get hold of. But finding out she's OPA shows us that she chose to. Allegedly. (laughs) allegedly, That she is allegedly OPA or let's say has ties to the OPA. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, gives us the idea that at some point in her life, she was like, you know, we don't really, we have to fight against this. And then she maybe backtracked. And chose to be neutral, similar to Holden.
1: And I think, remember in episode uh, five, episode five, mm-hmm. and a little bit of three, we she also kind of expressed resentment for people like Fred. Because, you know, she was saying, "I you know, I don't believe in causes. People who lead causes only really end up getting other people killed. And so... She identifies with it-
0: the people who get killed.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, she's still in that system, but she holds a deep resentment for people who, I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, it's it's a perspective we won't explore until maybe season two, but she's kind of outside of all of this, but Mm -hmm. she's related. Um,
0: While we're talking about quotes from earlier in the season, I want to bring back um, Miller's conversation with the Mormon where he asks him what happens when you get all the way out there and there's nothing. Oh. And I also want to bring attention in that same conversation the Mormon tells him true faith is a risk. So Miller gets all the way out to er- and Miller gets all the way out to Eros and he finds Julie but he finds Julie's body. He doesn't get to speak to her. He doesn't get to do whatever he thought would happen at the end. He doesn't get to be or even save her. So he got all the way out there and essentially found nothing, or at least nothing that was something that he wanted. But the Mormon's response was, God has revealed that we haven't finished our search yet.
1: Ooh. And that and,
0: yeah. oh god, like, I wanna eat go in a spoiler. It's <laughs> so bad. I know
1: exactly but. where you're
0: going.
1: Absolutely not. I will say But um, there's still d-
0: more to come from Yeah,
1: and he I remember him saying uh I, I wanna say it's in episode eight when he has a conversation with Semi. I mean he says like explicitly he's like, Because I believe in Julie and so like it's pretty much explicitly acknowledged that like finding Julie is a form of faith for mm-hmm. Miller.
0: And if true faith is a risk, and he has faith, him going out to Eros when he had no idea what he would find, that is him taking a gamble right there.
1: Yeah, And I it do think
0: a- it's important that, you know, we spend so much time in that casino, and he explicitly links the casino to his whole life and growing up he's been taking gamble
1: after gamble after gamble bars um i really like forgot to focus on the fact that like miller even traveling to another uh asteroid is like he's never been to space technically like he's never nope. done that kind of thing um so it is a huge character moment like you're saying it is a huge risk um yeah, at least one of us is focusing on miller <laughs>
0: You know, I will take up the task of talking about one of the main characters
1: <laughs> as we should, um but it's
0: like, here's the thing. I don't explicitly hate Miller.
1: no, we don't.
0: We, he's we a don't. Inter- we He's it. an interesting character. He just happens to also embody tropes that i don't know if i'm speaking for the both of us i'm usually not a fan of when it's deployed yeah. in other things yeah so that's Again, where we I, are I, we don't hate him
1: I, I i will also add that and i think i've said this in earlier episodes but like i really like book miller a lot better i was actually surprised mm-hmm. by how much i liked book miller and that i like didn't like holton as much um <laughs> I know you you hate Holden in the books. Um,
0: oh but, wow! Um,
1: <laughs> anyway, moving quickly. So I I've been saying I like Miller in the books, but I've also said like that's because I get to he- see inside his head, and so I get a much better picture of who this man is. Whereas in the show, I'm really operating off of like who this man represents, and like where have I seen this kind of character before, and why that rubs me the wrong way. Whereas the books. Really focus on this very specific instant of this man, Mm -hmm. and of this type of character, and like why he is the way he is, and also how he feels about it. Like that's something that kind of we don't get a lot with the show. Is like how does Miller feel about being who he is, and like, and and like you said, ending up right back where he started, and in the Pachinko Parlor, and and not finding Julie, and all these things. And the books, really, the books. I keep saying the books. Like I have only, like I have not read like more than one book. I have read more than one book. I have not. Um in the first book, he I really liked the passages where it kind of talks about how pathetic he is and mm-hmm. how like sad he feels that he's so <laughs> pathetic. But I liked that. It made me way more sympathetic to him and it helped me better understand his mindset. And it made me want to it made me want him to be to to want to be better, which right is sort of what loosely happens in the show, but I don't get inside his head, and so I feel less inclined to, like, root for him, basically.
0: I will say, like, there, him, Miller and Holden's, you know, Escape from Arrows, I think I preferred how it happened in the book because we got to spend more time on Miller. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, in the show, it feels very weighted towards Holden's perspective, and we see him reacting to the things that Miller is doing a lot, and he's, you know, angry and horrified, which is absolutely understandable. Yeah. Because, of course, no one wants to just watch someone murder people, even if it's you or them. There's
1: a lot of murder that happens in that span of time. A lot.
0: (laughs) But what I do like... Is there is a passage when they're you know, still trying to get back to the ship where, like you said, like Miller's reflecting on not only the things that we see him doing in this episode, which note he says that in that day he's killed more people than he did in his entire career as a cop. Damn. Which
1: woof. Yeah, Miller's not a Miller. Doesn't kill people for fun. Yeah. I and I I think the like I, I think you can also track like why he acts that way like I'm speaking mm-hmm. about the show but like mm-hmm. there is that moment after he um sees Julie and then Holden kind of like catches up to him and he's like you don't want to be around me right now and Miller like is right. acknowledging like I'm acting out of character but I also like this is sort of believable for me but like i'm not myself right now so Mm -hmm. but yeah miller i I was like i just (laughs) want to add that caveat miller is not like a extreme murderer usually
0: and even in that same passage he talks about like how it was difficult for him that first time that he did it he found out he was capable of it and that is part of what devastated him aside from having to take another life um but the passage that i'm looking at is he'd seen unequivocally the chaos that he dedicated his life to holding at that he dedicated his life to holding at bay was stronger and wider and more powerful than he would ever be. No compromise he could make would be enough. His death self was unfolding in him and the dark blooming took no effort. It was a relief, a relaxation, a long slow exhale after decades of holding it in. That is such a heavy paragraph, especially the ending. Because it like decades of holding it in gives us this implication that he feels like he's always had the capacity to be, you know, this person doing these things that are horrible. Mm -hmm. Which I think really gets you to the root of like his self-loathing. It's not a fun headspace to spend time in, but it really gives you a lot of understanding about him in a short period of time
1: it's really depressing and it it uh really puts into perspective how the book ends and what we will see in season 2 because we've said this but see, the book first book is not entirely covered yet it doesn't get finished until midway through season 2
0: which but, yeah. is why it sometimes it's me- hard to do a book comparison at this point cuz in the book there's like still so much that needs to happen like this is an important <laughs> moment but <laughs>
1: I I can't give you any, like, depth. I remember when I was reading that and, like, we had, like, gotten through Eros. And I was like, there's still more? Are you kidding? (laughs) Like, Eros changed everything. Let's stop there.
0: You know, let's take a breather.
1: But while we're on the the pair, uh, what are your thoughts on Holden's journey with Miller in these couple of episodes?
0: Um... I do have thoughts about it. I do want to quickly say that right after that passage I read, Holden then starts whistling through the dark and asks Miller about <laughs> whether he's seen this children's show from like thirty years ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. Which you know that gives us some lightness, and I appreciated that. Well, but that then, so God bless him. And <laughs> but I like then, this when we
1: gets <laughs> funnier,
0: he is. Like the Steven does not get a lot of like funny lines to work with. But when he does, he ha like there's this very deadpan way that he delivers it that brings some comedy and levity to it.
1: I think we see it I would say we see it in like three and four, a lot a lot in four. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's almost it's it's not necessarily what he's saying that's so funny, it's like the way he's reacting that's so exactly. funny. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes, you your your thoughts on but it
0: when we get Holden's perspective on that scene, the reason why he brought up this random children's show is because he is also thinking about how he is probably about to die and he's reflecting and thinking about his family because he used to sit and watch that show with his family. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, how, how are they going to be? Who's going to call and tell my mother's plural <laughs> that I'm dead? <laughs> Like, I did like that, how in those two chapters, you know, Holden's comic relief, but when we get to his chapter, he's actually, he really is thinking of something of depth.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He is capable of thoughts. Um, Yeah, not to harp too much on the book, but I I, I do love that sequence where we keep going back between Holden and Miller. Mm -hmm. Um, But
0: as for the show show. (laughs)
1: tell me what you think about Holden
0: I do think that this is where we really see his need for a purpose coming in like we saw that he was dedicated to the camp but we also knew he had a direct personal connection to it here he doesn't have any real connection to Eros or Julie but he still chooses to say hey I'm making it my problem he's making Ah! a choice (laughs)
1: I was going to save that for my notable quotables, but let's just crack what can I that say? open.
0: You know, we're really just kind of all over the place this episode. What let's go crazy. for it. No,
1: no, no, you keep going. I'll cut in later.
0: No, like he, this is him choosing to get involved with something that he has the option to leave behind, even though it's clearly the more dangerous choice.
1: Yeah, And, and I, I
0: think I, that really goes back to his, like his mother said, he had he feels like it is his duty to save people yeah. and here's the thing he's already he's already run away from his duty once be if we want to consider that to be the military but more likely his family so mm-hmm. at the what could be the end of his life he's not going to make that choice again
1: um it's interesting it's like almost like the way that miller took all this information and zeroed in on julie holden takes all this information and kind of and and here comes the pun and expands on it (laughs) and he's really like this whole he thinks about it as a system-wide problem now whereas miller really thought about it as like a saving julie first and foremost right which is really interesting but i great line and since (laughs) we're talking about that line we should talk about naomi once again this is one of my favorite lines from her because she the the context for this scene is that Miller leaves their little I don't know what shack they're in and mm-hmm. is like running after Dresden, who I have nothing to say about. I was just like, he's here. It's time. Yeah. When he said send all this to Thoth, I was like, oh, Thoth it's here. <laughs> um anyway. He, uh, so Holden tries to go after him and Naomi's like, sit the fuck down, please. Uh, She says, it's not your problem. And then she says, it's not your fault. And I think that is a very, very Naomi line. Like in Mm -hmm. this episode, episode nine and in episode 10, she, well, mostly in episode nine, she's really like, we do not like want to be involved. Like this is not our, 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 situation to resolve that's kind of how she's felt all season it's not that she's selfish it's that she prioritizes i think self-preservation above other Mm -hmm. things uh, based on who she is and Um, i think she
0: also has an understanding most people you have to look out for yourself because most people in this world aren't going to do it for you
1: exactly and so when she sees holden run after miller she's like this is going to be the last time i see him if this happens Mm -hmm. So that's her first thing, where she says, it's not your problem. But then she, for her, a little bit of development, I would say, is her saying, it's not your fault. Like, none of this was caused by you. You just stepped into something that you didn't realize. He didn't start this with the intention of saving, like, with, with, uh, with like, you know, screw everybody else, we've got to save these people. He was like, these people are in need, and there doesn't seem to be a reason to not help them, so why wouldn't we help them? For him, it was not being the boot basically. He thought he exactly. was making a moral choice, and it happened to backfire on him because other people were not making moral choices. And so Naomi kind of kind of like, you know, she's trying to get at that and say like, you know, you can't, you know, you can't put all the blame on yourself. So, yeah, I, I I just like that line because on one hand it's Naomi pointing to Holden and saying like it's reflecting on her and also reflecting on who Holden is, and then Holden's response is also reflecting on who, on who he is. So it's just a great like character moment for both characters.
0: Yep. Uh,
1: wait, we're like we're missing a whole thing on Holden and and Miller that I feel like we have not addressed yet, and is like your favorite part so i don't know like,
0: yeah no i have two more i wasn't sure one of them i know exactly what you're saying and i was like mm, should we leave it for quotes or not fuck well so let's jump you
1: know, let's what? jump into it let's just talk about Our whatever structure we're doesn't talking. matter exactly.
0: we constantly
1: reimagine the boundaries of what we are capable of and this you is know? that reimagination
0: you can't so, dream small exactly um, <laughs> Quickly before we get to the one that I know Nina's like dying to talk about.
1: I mean, um, I'm not dying to talk about what you're dying to talk about it. I am
0: t- dying to talk about it. Um Miller's belter accent yeah. sounds like he's trying to imitate someone who hasn't put their dentures in yet. Oof. And I don't say that to, you know, it sounds jump bad. on anyone who wears dentures, but he does not.
1: It like, is that bad. supposed to
0: be his natural accent that he's, like, been repressing? Or is he no so way. deeply not Belter that he has to manufacture an accent? Like, I know, essentially, Thomas Jane, I think, was could not do the Belter accent.
1: Well, I think because we saw a little bit of it in uh, episode one, and it sounded way more believable. This one But it was like only
0: a for word. a few words.
1: That's true. I don't want to bag too much on him. But I, it's not yeah, like maybe you're right. Maybe it's something like you just, like, didn't quite get. Right, because it like, sounded like I was like, "This, this is an earth." Did not sound good.
0: Right, yeah. and so my question is: I feel like, in story, I don't think he's supposed to sound that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But everyone buys it, so you know, we move.
1: But you know, um, Sammy also doesn't have a Belter accent, which I he thought was not. interesting. And See, and that's why I felt
0: like: did they both? Did they make that choice? to become cops and and distance themselves from belters on purpose and the accent is part of that but moving on from that there are two
1: now to what matters i've been thinking about in the past few episodes is like we've made a couple references to like how martians and belters see earth and how they see them as people who really have quote-unquote taken advantage of their free land and free water and we've sort of talked about that but one thing that I like completely forgot is the nuance that on earth not everybody has free ac- access to free air and mm-hmm. and water um and land I guess uh if we're talking about all the elements um and I am curious to like I don't I don't think the show in general really uh approaches that concept I mean it does a little bit and like there's a little In the next season, I'm thinking there's something we kind of see regarding that. But in general, it's things like questions like this that make me really think about like the world building of the show and like kind of goes back to my original thing whereas it's like, how can so many different cultures on earth be collapsed like under this one government? Mm -hmm. How is Earth just one entity when like right now on Earth there's a hundred million different ways to live? Um, and so when it comes to like the air and water question we know for a ver like we know it is verifiably true that not everybody has that access mm-hmm. um and so then you're like okay well if we think about it metaphorically then belters are those people and like it's one of those maybe it's one of those things where you just kind of like suspend your disbelief it's like yeah of course people are ought- not everybody on earth has that access but to represent that perspective we use people who have been sequestered in space Right. Which doesn't invalidate that people on Earth don't always have access to that, but it it ab- uh, approaches the issue in a but it approaches the issue in a different way, which is like what right. sci-fi tends to do. It uses metaphor um, rather than directly like engaging with the concepts. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just something I've been thinking about.
0: No, it is a really good point, and it's something that would be helped if we got an earth perspective that wasn't from like wealthy politicians but it feels intentional that we don't get to see life on earth so it's one of those things like like you said you just accept it on its terms
1: yeah do we uh, I mean this is not a spoiler I mean it's kind of a spoiler do we in season 5 I feel like I've seen some pics yes that- girl
0: we do we really do <laughs>
1: I've been listen. You like y'all don't understand
0: how many times I've said to Nina, "I want to spoil you so. Bad. <laughs> I want to spoil you I for will, season
1: five so bad." I will like. I'm putting this threat on air. Like I will do, commit something illegal if you do that.
0: <laughs> oh, she's but gonna also- commit. She looked me dead in the eyes and said, <laughs> "I'm gonna commit something illegal." Do we wanna jump on what was happening with the rest of the crew? We should. You know, um, there is things to discuss there.
1: Certainly <laughs> point. Again, I do want to say No, go ahead. No go, I'm just diving in.
0: Okay, yeah, so was I. I was like, Naomi okay. at the beginning of I was episode say nine. Naomi too. <laughs> she's so I empathetic was say, with Miller.
1: I was gonna say this is a Naomi. This is a a a Naomi star performance. Mm. This is really her. This is her world. We are just living in it. There we go. I also realize, like, all of our standing in the first season for Naomi, like, isn't backed up by anything. Like, it's all like everything we know that will happen. But I. It is most
0: of it is retroactive. But what I will say is, I really do, you know, enjoy how tense and kind of brusque she is throughout season 1. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it. Anyway, uh go. You go.
0: No, I think it's really nice that Naomi is the most or possibly even the only person that's really recognizing that Miller is devastated at the beginning of episode 9.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: She's the one who really picks up, like, this is something that's extremely personal to him and we need to give him some, like, space. (laughs) Anyways. Naomi and Amos in this episode. Alex doesn't really get a lot to do, which is fine because we don't talk about Alex much anyways.
1: I was going to say, like, this is really, in order of, like, who we should be talking about, Alex, we have nothing to say. He's there. He kicks open the door, which is nice. He uh, he gets them out of the of Eros, which is yep. nice. If this were a year ago, I would have been like, ah, oh, I wish Alex had more to do, but it is a year later. I am a different person. Circumstances different have changed. <laughs> so moving Here we on are. to Mr. Naomi.
0: Naomi was like very, to me, like, she was not just a tangential part of the OPA. <laughs> like, it's she crazy. knew those tunnels. She was like, no, this is what we need to do. She'd never been here before, but she's like, Act- protocol says.
1: <laughs> she's like, I built these myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's honestly the most admission that we get from her after a season where she... Doesn't really answer the question directly, and she's, about so, mad like, or not. she's so mad when people are like,
1: "She's so mad when people are are you?'" And she's like, "How? She's like, me. You don't even what?
0: know you, me. Why would How you ask you
1: that? You assume that, and then you know, I love and then she's like, she, "Yeah," she's like, "And," <laughs> but like, uh, it wasn't relevant before. <laughs> I love the moment she reveals it because it's not even like i love the writing of it because she's not saying because i was in the opa she's not saying Mm -hmm. like i know this she's just saying because opa members used it and you know because of the way the writing has been happening you know what that means for her and i loved that amos had this little look on him where he was almost like kind of proud (laughs) like amos was really I, i i like that amos um doesn't really care that Naomi was in the OPA or mm-hmm. allegedly was, you know, had OPA ties um, because his reaction throughout all this is, is pretty calm.
0: <laughs> Every time you say allegedly about Naomi being in the OPA, I feel like that guy from project runway blood orange. It's fucking red.
1: <laughs> I mean, we don't, we don't know. We, she didn't say it. She didn't, she didn't say didn't it. She see, didn't, say you it. didn't see the body. So they're not really dead. But, um, you know, I like that Amos was pretty like, okay that's who she is like I'll roll with it which is different from episode five and six where he was really pissed off that she lied to him Mm -hmm. um so I it was nice it was he was because he was really just like you know we're gonna he's like fine if this is what she does if this is what she knows and it'll and it's getting us out of here yeah yeah Avis had one goal he's like be (laughs) alive Speaking of, though, when they're in, because uh, it's hard to, like, split up their scenes of, like, what happens, but there's one mm-hmm. scene where they're in, I guess, the main common area, and the there's a lot of belters who are trying to get into the radiation shelters, I think, mm-hmm. and they're being shut out, and Naomi, her reaction is like, well, we can't just start shooting, because she's, for her, it's self-preservation, she's like, what am I going to gain doing this she's like these people are like she's like one way or another these people are pretty much dead like there's nothing we can do and amos is actually not like that he's like we can absolutely start shooting and the minute that people do he he does that and Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see amos show a little bit more um uh uh moral uh morals maybe Mm -hmm. not morals but you know have him show a little bit more empathy toward the people that they're they're seeing suffer Which is not to say that Naomi is devoid of empathy. It's just that it was interesting to see Amos be the one to be like, to have that natural protection instinct. And you mm-hmm. can see it play out throughout the episodes where like Amos is, Amos is a protector,
0: mm-hmm. but he's
1: a, he's not going to say that. And he's, he's not like going to save the world, but he's going to protect his people. And exactly. he, he doesn't, um, he's not a And sometimes
0: person. he may decide, you know, suddenly that this is his people like that little girl.
1: Yeah. Well, right. Amos and Children. Let's <laughs> man. But I mean that makes sense for who he mm-hmm. is. It's and and I was like, going to say that next, like that moment where he tells the guy like, you know, keep, like make sure she keeps up because Amos does have a protection streak. It's just it manifests in a different way than maybe exactly. Holden. So
0: and right I Amos. do think that that soft spot for children it doesn't. It doesn't seem to be related to any his time with Naomi. It's just a natural part of him. Yeah, and I, you know, we'll get more information about it later on. But as for now, it's a good way of showing that there is more to Amos aside from his outside of his relationship with Naomi.
1: Yeah. Again, these characters <laughs> rip to the Amos and Naomi um hive, but. Yeah, oh yeah,
0: that definitely dies at the end of this episode. Ugh,
1: whatever. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's it they're they're good when they split up because they mm-hmm. need to split up. Um,
0: um do I, we wanna get into their interaction with Semi
1: or do you have more to say before we get Let's see? I was very sad that Semi died. And I was like, this feels racist to me personally
0: you know here's here's my feelings about it is first of all Amos didn't have to kill him oh yeah he could have you know shot him in the arm or the leg or just shot him anywhere but he shot to kill yeah and the in universe explanation would be that, you know, anything other than a kill shot would maybe result in Naomi or somebody else being accidentally shot. And Frank, and like Amy said, as soon as he brought that gun into it and then pointed it at Naomi, of all people, like, it was a wrap.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: We know Semi dies in the books anyway. But here, the difference in killing Semi here in the show is because Semi and Naomi... Are the only black characters in this scene, but really the only prominent black characters aside from Admiral Souther
1: and Fred Johnson
0: and Fred Johnson. And That's God like- forbid, <laughs> forget is- about I Fred. Not- J- I don't know why I, to- I jumped to Souther instead of Fred. I'm
1: like Souther; he's been in maybe two scenes.
0: Because uh, you yeah. know, I was thinking ahead to when I, because I had something to say about him, <laughs> but. You know, Fred Johnson. But they almost look like outliers. Like, the difference here is it matters when you kill characters of color, when you, especially on a show where you have the opportunity to have a cast that would primarily, ideally, be made up of non-white people. Mm -hmm. But that's not the show that we're dealing with. And at this point, it's not even entirely related or exclusive to Semi. But, like... The Belters' experiences are so steeped in things that, like, most non-white groups identify with. And it's not to say that there are no white people that would, but when you're looking at this show and you're seeing these narratives that you would expect to be filled by people of color and it doesn't happen, and then when you actually get to deal with a non-white person, a black man he ends up dying yeah and it looks it's about the optics
1: it's one of those things where like as i am because okay so the shows i tend to watch my voice Mm -hmm. is going because this is gonna be a three-hour podcast let's let's keep it (laughs) let's keep it up we got more to do. So, one of the things I watch a lot of the shows I end up liking the most are science fiction shows. There is death to be expected. There is a level of violence. Although these days I'm like really getting tired of like excessive violence. Um mm-hmm. I was watching like Titans and I was like why are these people dying? Like why are we right. like ripping them up? Like do we need to? Like is this necessary? But I think it's also like the climate um, and I'm just like I'm not interested in those narratives anymore. Anyway, That's to be expected. I understand that. And it's understandable. It's also, these are the kinds of, we're entering shows where, like, killing off your quote-unquote favorite character is, like, a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Game of Thrones is, like, the most famous for this. I understand that. I'm also understanding that the They used to call it getting
0: Joss, didn't they? Oh, really? (laughs) Like, because Joss Whedon was known for killing people. Listen. Anyways I we have moved
1: Sweden. I have like little to no information on him mm-hmm. um, but um and I, I what I'm also understanding this year is like these characters are written before they're even cast. Um, right. in the case of Semi, like he was described as a black man in the books, mm-hmm. um, so it's actually doesn't this doesn't go to the writer's credit because they 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 intentionally wrote that in or not intentionally, but they they it was there we knew he was black before he was casted mm-hmm. versus a lot of other shows when it's a guest character I am almost like okay guest characters are written some most of the times to be killed off and right. then the casting happens and then it happened and then it and I say it happens to be a person of color but my point is that like that's where the dissonance happens where like they don't have the foresight to be like okay well if we are writing a show where people get killed off and a lot of these guest characters are getting killed off perhaps we Mm -hmm. should think about like who we're casting which is not necessarily to advocate for a for to not cast people of color because that Mm -hmm. would not work but then there's also consider the the key
0: roles that you choose to cast them in
1: yeah like i was gonna say like the, the 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 um the elephant in the room is that people are going to notice it if your main characters are not people of color or are Mm -hmm. mostly not people of color. And the only people we do see that get killed off are the, are the people of color. And so like, that's kind of, you know, I was like, I I remember watching. Oh, go, no, go. The
0: show exists. No. Yeah. Like the show exists in its own universe and, to a certain extent you cannot always apply like things from the real world to what you're watching but on the other hand this is fiction and fiction doesn't exist in a vacuum
1: yeah so i have a huge yeah. problem with, with shows that like not a huge problem but there's like a a a love hate relationship with shows that like want to exist in like a post-gender, post gender mm-hmm. post you know post racist post-homophobic society but are being made in this society which is currently very racist very sexist very homophobic very trans and you have to
0: be aware of whether you are playing to tropes that embody a lot of you know racism or misogyny and things along those lines whether that is making its way into your writing
1: because then the point is like what is the point of writing this kind of society if the things you end up doing are the problems of today's current society. You know, Mm -hmm. like then you like if you want to write a society that is beyond these um, uh, axes of oppression, I guess, Mm -hmm. then you kind of have to do the homework to be like, well, what are what are the characters we're writing and how are they meant to reflect that world? Because the default tends to be like, well, no one's going to make a fuss about it. Like, Mm -hmm. and. There's a lot of research that shows that the sort of colorblind approach to things is actually not helpful. It's not useful, um, and it doesn't lead us to a to a post-racist society. I guess whatever. Right. I mean, I'm just. And if racist, that's like, like and,
0: and if you want to write that, and it's like ideal, you know, version, then you would have to portray a world that has taken concrete steps to dismantle, like how racism has influenced basically every facet of our society
1: exactly the experience is an interesting show because it does create a narrative of oppression but it's focused on the belters and as a result i think the the creators kind of said like we're just gonna have to put the others on the back burner for now yeah um, i don't think it's necessarily written out i think it's just like it's we're gonna use the belters to represent like what are the some of the things we might be dealing with now which I mm-hmm. is like also a fair way and they oh no go
0: no i think i think you're absolutely right and i do think that it lines up a little we can't presume their politics so yeah but what i will say is that it feels like they come from or at least write this from a somewhat marxist perspective where it's like The focus is on class and everything else is not that it's not relevant but it's not the real enemy here. What makes the semi situation worse for me is afterwards Amos saying, you know, I'm gonna move this and he's referring to Semi's body. Um, Like, in that scene, it's to show us, you know, the level of, like, detachment that Amos is capable of. And it does do that but it is very disheartening. Yeah. And there's an entirely different connotation attached to it when you're talking about a dead black person's body.
1: That, exactly. Like, I, I, I feel like I, like we forgot to say, like, the, the scene does fully take into account her horrific what just happened. Right. Is. But it still happens. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't we know if that horror
0: say- is based on the things that are bothering us.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and we still have to see Amos, like you're saying, treat Semi's dead body as like a thing to dispose of. Mm-hmm. And though we understand that that is a horrific thing and that Amos is capable of that, it, we still have to see it. Right. And we still have to like grapple with that. Right. I, guess- I think
0: I want to go back to the discussion of Amos and his ruthlessness a little bit, especially being that in the previous episode, he had this showdown with Holden. In most shows we do, and like most shows like this, we do have that character who, he's the guy who does what he has to do to survive. And But in this episode, we have three of them. We have Miller, we have Amos, and we have Sammy. And each of them are products yeah. of their circle.
1: <laughs> oh, and that woman anyway. is Naomi yeah <laughs> yeah. one woman come on everybody I mean there is Avicarala, but like I mean they're all split up they're all split up which I think is, is... anyway that's yeah. that's uh, diverting from your point I don't know no. but it is a man <laughs>
0: like it's not a surprise when Amos sides with Semi on whether or not they should leave that man behind in the tunnels because he's Possibly been infected, Mm -hmm. and the difference is Amos shows that soft spot for he has he can show it for people, especially when they're children. And he was able to do that for a child, Semi, and you know, that other man they're not concerned about whether a child lives or dies. And so, as soon as he puts that gun up to Naomi, that's him. I think in Amos's opinion going out of his way to harm someone. But he's definitely not going to argue for a man that didn't he's not going to argue for a man's life when that man has shown like a blatant disregard for lives that he doesn't have to harm. If any of that yeah. makes sense.
1: It's like Amos's approach is very particular. Mm-hmm. He's he will shoot first if he feels he needs to. Exactly. And but for him he sorry. No go go like go, 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 go.
0: Amos does not put up a gun unless he is ready to kill that person. So even if Semi was just like posturing, for Amos he was not. You don't shoot you don't hold up a gun unless you're gonna kill someone. So Naomi's life is like in absolute danger. Yeah. It's shoot or, you know, die. But I think I cut you off.
1: No, I just... It's... I feel like the scene is affecting us more than we think. <laughs> um,
0: I also wonder what Naomi's thoughts and feelings... Like, explicit thoughts and feelings are in that scene. Because my guess is that she hasn't seen Amos kill anyone in an—it's in like a face-to-face interaction like that. Hmm. So, yeah. Like, he's saving her, even... How do we... Where do we think their relationship is at this point? Does it still feel fractured? Or is this, like, a renewal of their relationship on I... his side? Or is it just, like, look, I mean, we're on the rocks, but that doesn't mean that someone is going to do something to you.
1: I think it's another crack, mm-hmm. actually. Like, I I think... I hate I why am I the one always saying this but like <laughs> this season really shows that Amos and Naomi as much as they are able to protect each other that that's not a good thing always that doesn't work when mm-hmm. you're presented in certain situations right and I think this was just another example of that mm-hmm. like like you said Amos didn't have to kill Semi. and I think in there nar- in the narrative that is also like a pretty mm-hmm. like fair thing to say Amos didn't have to kill him he could have shot his hand or he could have you know he could have he could have shot him in the
0: back he could have did this that and the third
1: yeah exactly (laughs) uh so like you you see that and then going back to when Naomi lied to him I don't know you were scared of
0: me but now we see that like if she was scared we saw why
1: yeah so it's just interesting. I think these are just moments that are just showing us that they're due for a reckoning, mm-hmm. basically. The point is, Amos and Naomi, and it's also the way the show writes narratives, which is that like if Amos and Naomi don't need to confront each other in the next five episodes, they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and if their story doesn't need focus, they won't, but it won't be in an out-of-character way. They'll still be able to care about each other, but this point of... Concern won't be addressed until it absolutely needs to be, and right. that makes sense with how the show likes characters. Mm-hmm. So, I think it like that's where I'll leave it. They are due for a reckoning, and it is coming.
0: Yep. Um. Have we <laughs> touched everything we wanted to touch from that storyline?
1: Uh, storyline? Do you mean like Team Rossi? Yeah. I've got a couple more things actually. Hit me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, what more Naomi stuff, but, um, in the way that, uh, Holden's turn was like him being like, okay, now I'm making it my problem. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like Naomi's relationship to the kid was like a similar, Mm -hmm. um, turn for her because her opinion up until then was like, we need to get out of here and we're going to use the tunnel to get out of here. And if people want to come with us they're you know, they can, but I'm not interested in them. And then you have this child, and suddenly she's, like, the child runs away, and she's like, I I need you to, you know, she's trying to extend that empathy, basically, to this child. It's really sad when the kid, like, has to go, but that, to me, felt like Naomi's turn, especially because later, at the end of the episode... She says one of my favorite lines. She says, "We saved a few. We should have saved more." Mm-hmm. And you, and like on one hand, you know she's talking about um, the child, but on the other hand, she's kind of ta- foreshadowing how her arc plays out exactly. later, which is that suddenly something has opened in her, and mm-hmm. before when she was she she didn't want to care about these people she wasn't cruel but again she was interested in self-preservation now she's like so, like something has to change mm-hmm. and i think that also plays out in how she like reacts to holden because like the whole point of like we're waiting is like she was willing to put her faith in holden that he was gonna come right and, and that he would affect them and i can see people watching that and being like oh naomi's such a hypocrite which is unfair uh She's just a dynamic character, and get over it. <laughs> um, but I mean, no, no. But like, you know, she, if you felt she was like she in- was
0: talking to you, then she was.
1: <laughs> it was funny though when she was like, "No, Holden wouldn't infect us." Because mm-hmm. I was like, ah, "I mean, he might not, he like out I mean, right like you
0: can't. <laughs> he's not going to do it on purpose, but it doesn't mean that like he won't. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was interesting that she said that because it was like she suddenly had this faith that she didn't have before. Right. Um, and I think the whole point of these two episodes was to show her, like, finally realizing that, mm-hmm. that, like, that like this is something she can do. She can have faith in others. Um, and that drastically affects how she, like, what happens later um, after this season. And so I just, I, I kind of want to point to this as that moment of, mm-hmm. like,
0: where she something makes that cha- turn
1: yeah something has changed in naomi in the same way that something has has leveled up for holden naomi is is going to start doing things that we haven't seen her do in this season right um but um that was on oh there was one i'm acknowledging this but there is this small moment between naomi and holden at the very very end oh yeah i yes. noticed it because because I was watching the episode so closely, I the editing, like, stuck out to me. Um, She's, like, taking care of him or whatever, and the camera is just, like, on Holden for, like, a little longer than usual, and mm-hmm. he's just, like, looking at her, and it's very tender, and then he says, like, you've got blood on your face, and then it's almost like the camera slows down on her because her looking up at him is, like, literally, like, slow motion. And then she also is just, like, they're just staring at they're each so other. They're so And you're like, oh, they're very soft. It's very tender. I thought it was a very... I, I actually, like, thought it was a very, like, cute scene. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, uh, do I don't we think I've had any do we have- About Oops. Team Rossi? I, I think I'm done with Team Rossi, specifically.
0: Then we can do you... I feel like you have some stuff to say about Fred Johnson, at the very least.
1: Ooh. I'm actually really bad. I didn't take diligent notes, but I literally wrote, what is it? I wrote in episode nine. I said, notable quotables, Fred's whole speech.
0: Yes, that was a great scene. And I love that it starts out with him, like, practicing a little bit. And we see he has a little stutter. It's such a great, like, it's such a great character moment. And it's the moment of like vulnerability that we have not gotten from him before. And you can see the weight of leading so many people and the, the like the choice and decision that he's about to make.
1: And I just I this rewatch has really made me appreciate Fred a lot more because we just get to talk about him. And I just think he's like,
0: he's, he's a swell a- guy, a-
1: huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not he's a, he's a <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead.
1: He's a character that I really appreciate exists, mm-hmm. um, but I actually like. I don't have notes. I just have like thoughts. Like it was cool. You know what I mean?
0: No, nope. like, I, I get say. that. No, I get that. Um, I don't have. Do I have specific notes on his speech? I'm Like, where do we start?
1: Cause I, I don't even remember half the speech.
0: I mean, I, I picked out. I, I picked out a piece that. Two pieces that I thought were important. Um, the first mm-hmm. one being, I've been the oppressor and I know his mind.
1: Oh, yeah, I love that.
0: So, I'm an adult. It's it was good. No. <laughs> Anything
1: like, you say, I'll be like, I love
0: that. <laughs> prior to reading The Butcher of Anderson Station, I guess I had assumed that he pitched himself. And that, like, my, I felt like that line summed up you know his worth to the OPA and I still think it does but it feels different this time around watching it knowing that Anderson Dawes is the one who pursued him and brought him into the OPA Mm. um I think it's something we'll probably dig into more next yeah definitely next season
1: oh yeah yeah in the early episodes
0: he has a tent. he continues to work in that mindset that's been shaped by working with earth's military and it's definitely an asset but it's also a threat to his position in the OPA because he's not like Julie in that Julie interacted with belters and was accepted as one of their own to me I still feel very conscious of the fact that fred johnson isn't an earther and i think that other belters probably are too but i can't dig into that without spoilers so
1: oh my god i can't wait till season two. Oh uh, my god just but, like
0: see nina characters? really nina really loves season two and we just had an interaction this past week where i was like i mean anyways <laughs> it's a good it's a good season it's a good show it's just like my least favorite out of other great seasons, and she is shaking her head like with. I feel like there's a little disdain in there. <laughs>
1: Season too? like I can understand being like, ah, oh, the first half is a little like. Oh, right. I actually I like, like
0: the first half more than I like the second half, what? and so I the think. It felt, a, you know what my issue is? I feel like it's less cohesive.
1: Oh, I don't want to. It feels that. a little disjointed. The first half of season two and the first half of season three is like notably my favorite part of the show, I think. Yeah. I'm like, I just keep remembering more things that happen. Oh, my God. When we get to Triple V. That was, is that what is it called? Mm-hmm. I'm going to that episode is going to be a three-hour podcast <laughs> anyway anyway is a great season you know um, absolutely Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: this but fun. moving on
1: <laughs> the anyway the second quote from, from
0: the second quote from fred johnson that i like
1: mhm
0: Oh girl, don't get Chris Chris don't get um Chris Cuomo coming over here. Um the he says the drumbeats of war are the sound of lies and the love of power. I just think that's a great fucking line.
1: Bars! This show's writing is incredible. Yeah, and now I hear the drumbeats of war and I cannot stand idly by. Ugh.
0: But it's, you no, know, and also watching Aaron Wright listen to Fred Johnson's message is interesting because the actor who plays Aaron Wright underplays, like, everything. Yeah. And I don't say that as a criticism, but he's very guarded. And you can yeah. see there's a thought process him? happening there, and he's, Definitely yeah. not happy with this.
1: I was going to say, he kind of looked like he was making a facial expression. Like, not that he was just listening. That he looked a little, like, pissed. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, this happy pissed.
0: This is not something he accounted for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, speaking of, well, okay, let's wait. Um, <laughs> like, sprinting to Earth. Hold on. Um,
0: I mean, I was ready yeah. to talk about Earth if you were. Hold on.
1: Like, hold Fred on. was going to be my
0: transition into that.
1: Has not been given his due. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I want to say about the speeches. I mean, obviously, I love the speech, and I like any individual line of it. I love, and I could probably spend a while talking about. But it's all just it's a good speech. The thing I like about Fred's speech, because I'll keep it as short as possible, is that it it does an interesting balance, and the writing of it does an interesting balance between, um, transcending tribalism, which is a phrase that I am lifting directly from reviews about the hundred, and Uh, justice for an oppressed people Mm -hmm. it it really toes the line between both because in certain parts of the speech fred is saying we are so different from each other and we've learned to hate each other for that which is a very like we are all just people we are all human we all just need to learn to respect each other's differences The, the part of that which is a which is a problem often is that it the problem The problem with that is that it it often doesn't take into account how systems of power exist and how certain communities exist at the uh, uh, exploitation of others. Mm -hmm. What is it? Just train day? Okay. Um, But on the other hand, Fred makes it a point to say belters are like the common victim mm-hmm. in this situation. They will always be the victim in this situation. So as much as we have learned to hate each other, as Fred says, there is still a system set up where earth and Mars take from the belt. Right. And I, I like that this speech really touches on both because it would be really easy to stick to a message about humanity as a whole just needs to learn to get along. But that is a, that doesn't really work when the structure you've set up is that parts of humanity um, are hurting other parts. And, th- you know, like, not just because to defend themselves, but to maintain power. Like, the question of power is what is often missing from those those passages about, like, one human race, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so I just, I really like that the speech... Touches on both. As much as it is important to 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 respect each other's differences and get along and whatever, it's also important that like there are groups of people that are being marginalized, and their solution is not going to be to just respect each other's differences. Right. That's not going to solve the problem. There needs to be a literal like you know deconstruction of the system at place, um, or dismantling of the system at place. And that's more complex than just people getting along. Yes. Um, So I I appreciate that the speech balances between that. I think often in the show, I worry, like, if that balance is being maintained. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I think it kind of skews in one direction. Yeah. And the direction, like, but then sometimes it doesn't. So I, I think the show as a whole tries to do both. And I appreciate that because that means there's more to talk about. Yeah. That's all I've got about Freddo.
0: Then, you know, moving on, I love that you guys are on a nickname basis now. Mm-hmm. But moving on to Earth, I, we should talk a little bit about their reaction to Fred Johnson's um, mm, yes. broadcast. And...
1: It was made... Oh, I forgot about the best part of the speech when he says it was made on Earth. The 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 drives were made on Earth. That's the best part. Yep. Hold on. Last.
0: That's I when read. he, you know, because he,
1: said, he said, "Cause y'all was, was
0: talking head mad head. shit."
1: <laughs> and now look, you know, he's, he said, "Look closely. There are clowns facing each other, <laughs> and you I'm know. not one of them." But um, I love it because I I just forgot like, and the sh- the book really emphasizes this, but this is something in the show that is like. There. it's like technically at this point the war is really only between mars and the belt it's not until fred like leaks this bomb that we realize earth has a role in it too because until now earth was just like trying to maintain neutrality you know trying to uncover the real thing but this bomb is like uh-uh like this is your problem too mm-hmm. and i i loved it it was it was, it was iconic Look. like that's what it felt like to
0: He said, baby, y'all was all up in it. Like, and you thought it was me. (laughs) But when you point one finger, there's how many pointing back at you? But I do think, I think it's funny to me. It's
1: embarrassing. It's embarrassing (laughs) for It is. It really
0: is. And he told everybody but James look he did. he did he did. did he said you know what anyway. sometimes you do have to just put everybody's business out there and see what happens
1: <laughs> all right let's get to earth but yes. I, I i like i like ending on earth i it's a good it's a good place to end mm-hmm.
0: but um i think it's interesting that Souther was really willing to cut Fred Johnson just enough slack to say, like, he probably didn't have s- stealth ships and they shouldn't be arresting him on, you know, suspicion. But now that Fred has turned the tables and been like, actually, girl,
1: <laughs>
0: um, that's when Souther's like, no, nope, he's lying.
1: <laughs> Souther doesn't get anything interesting to do this season, so there's not much to say, but I I just want to say hi to Southern. Like, nice to see you. you we know, will see you soon. We'll
0: put a pin in you for now. We've got like 50 yeah. pins up at some point. We'll get to take them down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: Alva Sorala's discussion with her husband, like about what she's going to do now that she mm-hmm. knows that Aaron Wright is involved. I think it's a great scene for it to be her last scene of the season. Like she looks almost excited about, getting to do this. And she's clearly playing some what is a very dangerous game, but it her expression is what makes me want to see I already know what's going to happen, but it makes me really want to see how things shake out for her and watch her do this cat and mouse type thing with Aaron, right? Which actually brings yeah. me to another point where I wish maybe that we had seen more of their relationship to one another, especially when you're going to end on pitting them against each other. Because this should land as a bigger betrayal than I think it does
1: it's also kind of hard of like to like understand how she figured it out like this is something I sort of struggle with mm-hmm. like when you're watching that scene, like the music kind of tells you and her face kind of tells you, but i I kind of didn't understand how aaron wright how she figured out that Aaron Wright was lying to her
0: um, I think it's in the scene. Early in the episode. Um, when they're basically debriefing after Fred Johnson's broadcast and she hold on. I need to review my specific
1: moment is like him the specific moment is him being like, Oh, and we've been tracking these drives for for like our team has been tracking them mm-hmm. for a while and she's oh for how long and he says for a few weeks and so for me i'm like am i supposed to pay attention to the fact that he said we've been tracking them because like am i supposed to know that maybe those drives could not possibly have been tracked mm-hmm. and he would have only been able to track them if he already knew like if he was already on the inside i don't like i it think really my thing figure out like
0: i think it's directly related to the fact that this was like Stealth stuff, and she was only able to get that information once she got into Frank DeGraff's, um, Frank DeGraff's I don't want to call it an iPad, but you know, into his personal files. Yeah, that that set something off for her because clearly that information is not something that Aaron Wright would have or should have had access to. So it sets something, and he's clearly doing a cover up for her but the act like the specific mechanics of it girl
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was interesting i um i also actually on that scene where she goes into frank's house i thought it was just so um just like so quintessentially avasarala where she's like very she uses emotion Mm -hmm. to manipulate people for political gain and we see that there's a scene in season four. I'm thinking about that is almost like an exact replica yes. of like what happens, except even worse, arguably. Um, so it's it's cool. Like her character is pre- like is very consistent, which I like. Like these are things that she does, and it's like I believe that she would do that. I believe that she would do whatever it takes to win, which is what Frank said. Yep.
0: And I mean, it didn't get her killed, at least not yet, but it got him killed. <laughs> Oof, oh, poor yeah. thing.
1: Oh, and Craig was oh, Craig
0: was Craig. very upset. Yeah. I did like the detail oh. that Frank had a telescope in his office because you just know that like whenever yeah. he's home he's looking for Mars. It was a very nice detail.
1: Yeah. I was also gonna say, uh we I forgot that they revealed that like Frank didn't kill himself and I was like, What? Um, that he was like killed by mm-hmm. I don't know people or maybe he, yeah or maybe he killed himself and like because he knew that people were coming i don't know i don't
0: actually um that. she believes that aaron wright had him killed mm. because well you know
1: i think that checks out
0: i mean i we already know that he has people assassinated <laughs> he was ready to kill holden
1: that's true, he was. So
0: that, I mean, that's maybe our, hand. if you thought, like, Aaron Wright is not capable of this, or he wouldn't do that, or if it, or if you feel like it's a jump, we know that he, this is a tool that he is quick to go to, so.
1: Although, like, I, like, uh, to be fair, like, his whole thing with killing Holden was, like, a state-sponsored murder versus, like, black ops. Mm-hmm. Um, i guess like if you're in that world can feel like a jump but if you're not you're like this all kind of looks the same but anyway i i like yeah i i like how avistarala ends her story i love i actually wrote down the quote um where she says the stubborn old woman eyes locked on yesterday's game i love that she recognizes that too mm-hmm. and it kind of makes this whole season feel like a prologue for her it does which makes sense because like you know they introduce her early, and she doesn't really get to do much until next season. But I, 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 I liked how that wraps it up. Mm-hmm. It's like she's like she's not going to do anything yet. She doesn't affect the plot yet, but she will. She will, and like she's, we don't we have no idea what's to come basically, and maybe she doesn't know what's to come.
0: Nope, she does not. But yeah, what I do, I do have one last point about her. Um, in that scene where she realizes that he's been essentially been working against her all this time. I think that that's also well played on his part because to me, he like visibly looks like he's trying to see if she is accepting the story. Yeah. He looks like yeah. he's really, really hoping that you just say yes, and move on. Yeah. But that's, do we want to go ahead and move on to any small moments we haven't <laughs> already discussed? I have a few. Uh, I've been watching Miller like vomit everywhere. Oh, I I I had. I don't like watching vom like I don't like watching people throw up on TV. It makes me very uncomfortable. Like I know it's one of those things where you know you're quibbling over something. Okay, you're quibbling over this, but you can watch somebody get their head blown off. Yes, I can. I, but I can't yeah. watch you vomit.
1: Maybe because, like, vomiting is, like, something people do. Yeah. Like, getting your head cut off is, like, not common. That being said, I do not enjoy watching people get their head cut I off. I mean, I don't I
0: enjoy it like, either. But if I had to choose between, like. I can
1: stomach it. Exactly.
0: But, like, <laughs> he looks so disgusted. He looks so disgusted. Like, there's no sympathy there. He's so grossed yeah. out. But he's also panicking throughout this episode. So, like, he does this very high-pitched, like, whisper scream. Yeah. <laughs> that I yeah. What are you doing? It's very entertaining to me whenever he does it's it. It's
1: very Stephen Strait being very funny. It, it absolutely That's the is. That's kind of humor we're talking about. Where he's just so out of his element.
0: Oh, my gosh. And when he's, he's like, like, silently. you me. Exactly. And when he's silently berating Miller while they're, um, (laughs) because he was coughing, I was like, he can't help it. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry that you're doing better, but like, I would never look at Miller, okay? I would never look at Miller and be like, yeah, this is a man who can take radiation.
1: That man is immunocompromised in many ways. Absolutely. Any nicer moments?
0: Um... I don't know about nice. I thought it was oh. <laughs> I thought it was very creepy, but a cool moment when um the proto molecule pops up on Kenzo and it mm. like builds an outline of him before it attacks him. That was very cool. And thing. then
1: it it was interesting that it did that though, because I don't actually recall the proto molecule being able to oh wait, did we oh we've already talked about being able to say proto molecule. But um it's interesting that like it had arms to like grab him because I was like I don't actually think this ever happens again where it like
0: well I think
1: acts like a monster yeah that's
0: how that's pretty much how I felt but I felt like okay they're trying to make like maximize the creepiness because this is something yeah, new that they keep giving us drama you know on the other hand I guess we could say like the proto molecule the whole point of them exposing it to Eros was to study it and see how it learns and develops so it's learning people. And building yep. people. And we'll see something a little later that makes me feel like that might be right. So,
1: mm. yeah.
0: Also, playing the sound of the proto molecule over the credits was another nice touch.
1: Oh, I hated that. <laughs> it was so scary. I'm a huge, I'm very scared of things. I'm very scared of things
0: one. too. Please don't recommend us horror movies
1: any more moments
0: Nope, that is it so if you unless you oh, have some that you would wow. like to talk about
1: i had i think i had one more mm-hmm. uh i had a, oh wait know. i do
0: have one more but go ahead
1: <laughs> sorry no you have to go i'm gonna i'm gonna finish it okay
0: <laughs> oh okay she has to have the last word y'all um, me miller sees a hallucination of julie and then he says i'm sorry and I just wonder, yeah. oh, like, I totally about this. what do we feel like he's apologizing for there? Like, she she appears once he admits why he became a cop to Holden. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's coming back to people repeatedly telling him, look, like, Julie would not like you. Julie wouldn't want to meet you. And I wonder if he's apologizing, like, I'm sorry maybe not for not finding you sooner, but I'm sorry for being a disappointment for standing for, you know, the things you despised. That's my only moment.
1: Oh, I definitely read it as like, sorry for failing her basically, mm-hmm. but your way seems deeper. Um, I had two moments. Uh, One is a very small thing. Uh, When, Holden and uh, Miller, in episode 10, are stripping the guards' bodies. Mm-hmm. There's these shots of their bodies, um, and it feels very, um, like, sad, like, the, the way it's shot on them. Yep. And I think it's meant to show, like, Holden's perspective of, like, you know, basically disrespecting the dead. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And I was like, hmm, I wonder why we couldn't do that for Julie. <laughs> but then I'm out of moments.
0: Then... Do we want to go to score tracking? Is there any significant things we should know about? Yeah, there's
1: about? a few. I was actually, I actually had one thing I didn't talk about. I was going to also say the finale, actually, I remember watching the finale for the first time, mm-hmm. and when they, like, got off arrows, I was like, that was it? I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, it felt really anticlimactic. I was like, because there was no big
0: Right, battle and But then so you realize like, that what? that's only, like, halfway through or a little more than halfway through the book, and it's like, oh, well. They just made a finale yeah, out of also, what they could.
1: Yeah, and it's it's also really a... It's an indicator of things to come, mm-hmm. which goes to what I was about to say with the season as a whole, which I'll save, but it's I it felt very anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. And the finales in general can feel anticlimactic because there is not really always a big boss right. to defeat. Uh, the season two finale does, is not anticlimactic. The season two finale is... I would
0: not even now. call the season three finale any climactic. Season
1: three finale. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. What about season four? Oh, season four. Season four, man. Um, I
0: tingle every time okay. we even talk about <laughs> getting to season four. It's
1: just, I know. <laughs> I feel like we should like formally apologize for trashing it. We didn't trash it. We just, you know, like, we were just like
0: are not. It. Going off it, the end of season it. three, we just had very different expectations for what would happen.
1: And we misjudged it, you know,
0: and, it's, and that, you know what, they caught us slipping and that's our fault.
1: They did. They did. So let's go to score tracking. Um, There are three more tracks left on the soundtrack. Um, one that plays is Lies and Love of Power, which plays in episode nine. Um, and it plays during Fred's speech, where he talks about lies and love of power. So pretty self-explanatory. Um, then in episode 10, okay, so there's one track I actually couldn't place. It's called Father, and there are two, there's a few scenes with Jules Pierre Mao, which I assume the track is referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few scenes with him, and when I was watching those scenes, I didn't hear this track play. I may have not been listening close enough, but that's- Could it have played I
0: during Julie's play. scenes? Like, maybe Uh, she would be thinking of, like, well, maybe while she's sick, she's thinking about, you know, her family or going home. I don't know.
1: Maybe. I think, well, if anybody's listening to this, and if by this time, by the time this episode releases, if we haven't already figured out the track, and somebody's listening to this and does know where that track plays, I would appreciate knowing where. Mm -hmm. Because I, now I need to, like, know to finish this up. Right. But the last track of the soundtrack, called Life, plays in the final scene of the episode. So, like, when transitions from the Rossi to uh, back on Eros, where Kenzo gets murdered by the protomolec- molecule, And that's it. That's the score. There are definitely a lot of, like, themes and motifs that play throughout both episodes, um, but they're all kind of stuff we've talked about before, and they sort of represent the same things mm. that they've always represented, so they're, like, that's there's, like, not... there's stuff that relates to
0: no go ahead it's not
1: like anything new Mm. there's stuff you know that relates to julian miller and the song of the system which i've kind of talked about there's stuff relating to the rossi and that we've sort of talked about but there's nothing really like there's no new revealing information so those themes kind of just play out there was one track that i did hear while listening uh it's the scene with Jules Pierre Mao. It's the first appearance of Jules Pierre Mao, actually, in these two episodes where Dresden is talking to him and he's telling him your daughter has died, blah blah blah. And the track that plays there, I thought was on a soundtrack, but it's not. And so if anyone has listens to it and is like, Oh, that's actually like season three, then like let me know. But it's that season. We're where outsourcing guys. Yeah. Uh and, and yeah, so that's the music of season
0: one awesome then i guess this technically wraps up our discussion of like episode by episode of season one wow look at us who thought we'd be here
1: i did i believed in us
0: i believed in us as well mostly
1: (laughs) 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 you know Um, the thing about
0: starting a podcast is it's like Shit, do I really have enough to say to fill it? And it so it appears it. we did.
1: We certainly have quite a lot to say. And um, it's only going to get thoughts?
0: worse from here.
1: Yeah. Any thoughts before we close out this episode? Anything you want to say? Anything we should say?
0: Um, I'm really glad that I've never had radiation poisoning. Jeez.
1: Any thoughts about the next season,
0: even? (laughs) Um, When season two comes, I will be excited to have to swing on both you and Holden.
1: (laughs) And with that.
0: Take us on home, Nina.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With that, that concludes our first season of Who Owns the Stars. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with us. I am personally very impressed by it. I am too. And I I am as well, because I just said that already, (laughs) and now I'm simply (laughs) repeating myself. I hope our listeners are as entertained by us as we are, and we will see you in the next season, whenever that comes out. Whenever that comes out. It might even come out. We might even record it when we drop this, but... I that's a claim. I don't think I have enough evidence to back that. Don't honestly don't hold us
0: to anything that we say because we may change our minds later. And that was the person that we were at the time of recording. Not you know.
1: I'm (laughs) no longer that person. Exactly. So you know what? Thank you for listening to season one of Who Owns the Stars. We hope to come back to you with season two, season three, season four, and
0: more. Who knows? We may even skip straight to season three. The way she looked at me just Let's end it
1: while we can. Let's end it while we're still being civil. We will see you later. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.